You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Hello there, Grump. We have a two-game winning streak. Yeah, it's our second one of the that year. Since, we haven't said that since 1964. It's Dang. exciting. Yeah. Um, uh, I can't remember the last time we scored 40 points. <laughs> well, it was that month I think we had back in... Uh, 2008, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cumulatively, yeah. <laughs> um, so, Giants rolling in, you know, back-to-back wins. We've switched quarterbacks, same result. Um, big scoring game. Offense looked good, right? I mean, I, 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 good, good, good is silly. Uh, we, we have a, a QB with a stat line of 28 of 42, 350-plus yards, five touchdowns, no turnovers. Uh, that's yeah. That's way more than good. I'm sorry. The way this fan base and this media micromanages and microanalyzes everything Daniel Jones does where every fumble, every complete incomplete pass is, did they make the right choice at six? Is this guy a bust? Is he ever going to be somebody, you know, you forget he's a rookie. Yeah. You forget he's a guy who wasn't prepped to play all season. You forget he was out with a high ankle sprain. And, yeah. You know, I, I get that it's Washington, but still this is an NFL team and – you know, any the thought he's going to be a bust, I think, is definitely going away with every second. He'd never shown deer in the headlights. He's never looked like a guy who doesn't belong in this league. You know, what his ultimate ceiling will be, we'll we'll just know, you know, with his continued development over time, what players are around him, a better offensive line, better weapons, better coaching, you know, blah, 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 blah. But the thought that this guy you know, is going to be a Ryan Leaf or is going to be, you know, any hack that's been, you know, a major draft pick and, and has completely failed. I think the chances of that are going slimmer and slimmer. And that is very, very encouraging. Yeah. I mean, the game has never looked too big for him. I mean, there's been situations where he hasn't been great. There's obviously been room for improvement, but a lot of things have been, you know, just a it, it's just growing pains. You know, it's it's that transition to the NFL. Every single player is aiming to punch the ball out of your hand. You know, they're all vying to get that one sack, and that sack is critical. And you know, they're all reading your eyes, and they're they're playing a baiting game where they'll let you get three completions and then take a pick six. You know, that that is the NFL compared to the NCAA. It's it's just yeah. different, and it's never looked too big for him, despite having some dull spots. So you're and right. I- and let's say, let's put it in perspective. I'm not saying that, well, just he has one great game against one team in a meaningless week 17 game where there's nothing on the line. I'm, we're talking about his body of work from when he started in week three. You know, of course, mm-hmm. there's going to be, like you said, rookie pains and all these little things. But from a pretty big sample size we've seen being pretty much thrown into the fire, he has looked, he's not the flashiest guy in the world. He'll never be a Lamar Jackson excitement. It'll never be a Deshaun Watson, Watson excitement, but for you know a guy who has a chance to be in this league for a long time, at least as a 
you know, at least a serviceable starting quarterback. You know, we try to think of everybody's going to be a future Hall of Famer or a bust. We don't we won't know that for years, but so far you've got to like what, you know, the the short to midterm future with this guy as your quarterback. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, you know, Eli has never been the flashiest guy, but I think if you had asked fans what they were going to get, if they were going to get basically an extension of what Eli Manning was starting over, I think they would have been okay with it. Sure. So, I mean, that's fine. And and again, I understand that we're having this conversation after beating up on a bad Washington team that's not doesn't have a head coach right now and that they, they were pulling guys off the street to play defensive backs. But it goes back to the same argument for me. Before this game, when you looked at the depth chart and who the Giants were playing against on defense there, if you said – well, then Daniel Jones should go 350 and get five touchdowns. I would have said, that's really high, but that's fair. And he did. Again, this is this is versus expectations. It's not just that he played well. It's that he played an amazing stat line. It's exactly what you would want him to do against a bad defense. If he had just played a good game where he had 250 yards and you know two touchdowns, you can say, I would accept the answer then that, like, I mean, he did play, you know, whatever. It, it didn't look that great considering yeah, what he was up against. I, but I don't think Grumpy right now, I'm still not in the mode yet of what are the stat lines. For I know, I know. I mean, I'm really, just saying, again, again, that, that defense of, well, they're playing Washington, they're playing Miami. It's like, okay, well, then my expectations are this, and he still meets them. You know what I'm saying? Like, you raise the bar against bad defenses, and you still meet that bar, then I don't understand what the complaint is. There is no, there's no asterisk anymore, you know? Well, I mean, I don't think – it's interesting if you're going to use the asterisk, well, it was just Miami – or I'm sorry, if it's just Washington for the quarterback, you better use that same asterisk then about the head coach. Because oh, now – and now we're going to get into one of my rants of the evening is that you know everybody knows, listens to the show or follows me on Twitter knows that I was kind of a proponent of losing this game, that – we never like to lose. We don't like to lose to, you know, our rivals, blah, blah, blah. But for the long-term best interest of this team was securing as best possible draft pick as you can. Not saying for any specific player, but for the best long-term interest of having that position. Now, the best way you grow a team and build a team is you hope for development, evaluation and development of the guys that are currently on your roster – and the opportunity to get the best players possible in the offseason. And and I, I was this is one of the rare games where Grump and I were actually sitting together, not at Giant Stadium, but you know, at a, at a we were at a family function watching the game together, and the second the game was over and we had won, I just kind of had like a numb feeling. Like just kind of like, all right, well, we won cool, but I wasn't pissed that we lost. For you know, we might have lost you know the potential second draft pick. To me, it was like the other side of the equation was being met. The most important people on this team are Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, and we are seeing continued development from them. And that, to me, is helping this team for the future as well. We're never, no team is ever going to tank on purpose, and we've talked many episodes about that. So it's kind of like I'm not mad at them for losing. It's just it's disappointing. I would have preferred that we had the best draft pick possible in this meeting time. That is 
I'm not as angry as I could have been because of the fact of what I'm seeing for the two cornerstones of this foundation doing well and getting better. There, you hit it on the head there. That's what it is. It's not the fact that they won the game and they ruined their draft position. It's how they won. It's what you saw. We saw Daniel Jones put up, quote, heroic stat lines. And not just, like, the stat line, but how he looked doing it. He looked comfortable. Barkley. I mean, you you were the first one to say it last week. We You were really excited to – you were encouraged to see him back to true form, that this wasn't a drop-off. It was definitely strictly an injury thing. And, you know, 22 carries, 189 yards, and then another 90 through the air for a total of two touchdowns. He's averaging 8.6 yards a carry. I mean, ludicrous numbers. And it's the youth, the the building blocks of this team that were doing well. Overall, this game ended up being close because, you know, the defense is obviously where the investments need to go. And it showed. And the, and I think as well also the coaching too. Well, of I course, think. yeah. We're going to get into that in a little bit, but you can't just blame it all on a bunch of young guys who are trying to figure it out. At some point, you know, coaching does play a factor too. And I think when you have an experience in a, a team that is very poor, poorly coached, these things are going to happen. But one more thing I want to get into, and I have a question for all the listeners and for you, Grump, as well. How come – in week 17, teams who have already clinched a playoff spot, have clinched home field, whatever, can rest everybody, and they get a complete pass because, well, it's in their best interest not to play Lamar Jackson because he might get hurt. But how come the Giants, even the thought of tanking for their best interest of their team, it's a... It's a taboo that shouldn't be even talked about, much less executed. Why, why is there a double standard in that? I, I think that they are slightly apples and oranges, and I'm going to take this a little piece by piece. For for starters, I don't think that I don't I don't think that a team gets a complete pass for resting starters in Week 17. And I think one of the things that a lot of people loved about Tom Coughlin was playing his starters in Week 17 in 2007 against the Patriots, even though they already clinched. And it wasn't just to knock the Patriots. I mean, that really fueled a team. That brought a role into the playoffs. And I think that there are a contingent of people, maybe a minority, but there is a contingent of people that does not like resting starters week 17. Um, so there's a little bit of that. I'll, I'll say it's not as unanimous as I think you're framing it. But um, I think the standard is it, it's about forfeiture. Um you're not forfeiting a season by resting guys week 17 to go into the playoffs. You're doing the best interest immediately. Um, it's it's for this year. And you have a 100% guarantee that guys that you are resting will be at least a little bit healthier for the playoff game. Maybe the, it may not make enough of an impact for it to be worth it, but that will definitely happen. You're preventing the potential for an injury. That's why they do well, there's it. There's that, yeah. I don't think it's so much for, well, they'll be healthier, you know, especially if a team is going to have a, a bye week, you know, they're a one seed or something. Yeah. I think it's to prevent the potential for injury. Fair, fair. I mean, so, but I mean, I mean, there's also those things, right? And we don't know about the nagging things where they're in the ice tub. You know what I mean? Those things heal over time. Um, the other they thing. For, they do it for strategic reasons. I mean, come on. It is strategic. It's strategic to rest guys with and let them 
rest up. You know what I mean? You can't tell me that getting smashed week after week, right? Not, but it, it carrying but over making, injury, you're making a decision based upon what is the best overall interest of my team. Yes, it doesn't but matter. you know, you know something, and but but what I'm, what I'm saying is a, you have a 100 percent chance of that working the way you want it to. Guys will not get injured if you don't play them for that week. However, the draft is a complete and total crapshoot. You know what I mean? And, and this is my take on it. I can't speak for anybody else and why there is a double standard because I do think there is one. You make a point. But for me, you don't know shit about – especially right now. We're sitting here bitching and complaining about how we're out of the Chase Young you know, running. But they are. We're not We're not. We're not. We as a collective fan base are, are overwhelmed by the amount of people bitching and whining about how we're out of the Chase Young sweepstakes. Well, uh, you know, Chase Young podcast. has not declared. Chase Young hasn't declared. He can still injure himself. He's playing two more games possibly in the college football playoff. He can hurt himself in the, um, you know, the, the, the lead up to the scouting combine or an all-star. He could be the number one pick. We don't even have a shot at him. We've um, seen that in the past. He where... could bomb interviews. There could be a video with him with a fucking gas mask on. Any number of things can happen right now to su- to single out one player. And I'll say with the caveat that he's not a quarterback. I, I, I can see more of a quarterback thing there where you have an Andrew Luck generational whatever. Fine. It's the most important position in sports. Okay, maybe my argument doesn't hold up. But I mean – is is Chase Young mountains beyond Bosa before him and Bosa before him and Jadavian Clowney before him and J.J. Watt before him? I mean – Yeah, but no, but no sane person is making this a Chase Young sweepstakes. It's, we're talking about increasing odds. I mean it's kind of like playing blackjack. You know, If I hit on 16, I have a better chance of winning than if I stay on 16. It doesn't guarantee I'm going to win. I'm just increasing my odds. And that's all you, you can only do is because nothing is a guarantee. I mean, Baltimore could rest everybody in week 17 and lose 44 to three in the divisional round. Yeah, that's Doesn't true. Guarantee anything. So to me, everything that you can do is put yourself in the best possible position with the best odds to be successful in the future. I agree. And that's, that future might be at four o'clock. It might be next week. It might be in the playoffs. It might be next year. And that's all I'm saying about this whole thing, and it's so not. So wait, I, I'm just unclear on what your stance is. Are you telling me that you are for tanking, or are you not for resting starters week 17? Or are you just calling am, out hypocrisy? I am for doing whatever is best for my team, and be damned with everyone else. If I would do, I would do exactly what Baltimore is doing. Okay. I would have, I would have tried to tank if I was the Giants this week. If I was a GM and you know something, I under, it's the same scenario with, I understand the fans who might have, you know, there's probably thousands of people who wanted to see Lamar Jackson next week who are not going to see him. They are going to get screwed. That, that sucks. Yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. true. There might be thousands of giant fans next week who want to see Saquon Barkley. And if he didn't play next week, because they made organizational decisions in our best interest to lose, I'm okay with that. Again, I am not a bandwagon fan. I don't just say I'm rooting for the team. It's winning. I got 35 years invested in this team, good and bad. And to me, you know, we look at next year and the year after and the year after. And, you know, okay, it's great. We beat a a meaningless wash, a bad Washington team in a meaningless 16. 
don't give me the argument, well, it'd be great to knock out Philly next week because guess who makes it? Dallas. I hate both of those fuckers equally the same. So there's no, well, we're knocking out a rival at least. At least. No. I like my team more than I hate the other team. I like having a good team more than saying, aha, you lose. So it's it seems counterintuitive and it sounds like I'm a heretic, but this season, this last couple of years has been so bad and rudderless. This seems like we're getting some direction now. And I want everything possible to make that go as fast as possible. And does it mean sacrificing a loss or two at the end of a meaningless season? So be it. And I know that's unpopular, but and I'll take, I'll take it one step further, Grump, that this win is making things a little more muddier potentially because now the debate starts about does Pat Sermer deserve to keep his job? You know, the mark of a good ownership is they evaluate everything and make their decision. Are you 100% confident in the mayor's decision-making in the last several years? Is it possible that, well, they won their last three. Maybe he deserves one more year. Isn't okay, that- I, I think that's actually a perfect segue into, into yes. a different different argument that I have here. There's there's two things here Real that man. I'm seeing. Go ahead. <laughs> it's, it's um, you know, this win has saved Dave Gettleman's job. Bullshit. I, um, I, we, we already, I mean, I don't know that that's wrong, but I am pretty sure that that's wrong. They, they, they have already decided, and I think that he was going to be signed on for one more year. I think he knew what he was getting into, and I think he laid it on him brutally and honestly and said, you've got to give me at least three years to get this team headed in the right direction. Let me stop you for one second. I'm going to say I don't think with Gettleman it's even one more year. It's just keep going. Yeah. Because I don't I don't think you can put limits on team building, especially after you're tearing one down. I think it's a different parameter from GM to head coach. Yes. So I don't, I don't think it's you get at least one more year. It's keep doing what you're doing. And and before I get to the next part of this, what I'm going to say is the the people that were disappointed, okay, okay, so a lot of what I saw was, you know, this saved Dave Gettleman's job, and then the response to that being like, "Well, goddamn, you know." And the stupidest has been, you know, he's lucky that Daniel Jones saved him. Uh, I think he's the one who drafted him. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, you can't sit here and tell me that Barkley and Daniel Jones saved his job. They were his job. They're all his, the product of his work. You know that's that. Idiotic. It's an idiotic thing because. There's nothing Dave Gettleman can do from week 16 to yeah. week 17 yeah. to save his job. It's his roster. Yeah. There's nothing he can do. Coaching is a little different, and I, I still think the coaching to save his job for one game is still a ridiculous thing. But at least a coach can make changes from week 16 to 17. He can start different players, different play calling, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Where GM, it's like, this is it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But 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 the argument that Caden Smith and Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley saved Dave Gettleman's job is actually laughable. I laughed at it because it, it makes no it, fucking it sense. Yeah, it all it did is prove that he's been doing everything right. Well, not every, but he's been doing things right. You know, now as we pivot to Pat Shermer, no, winning this game and the next game does not in any way change their decision on him. 
you know, this year cumulatively, it, it, it is what it is. We've seen the pitfalls and things still not changing. Bad challenge this week. Stupid challenge on a play that happened right in fucking front of them. Very clear to everybody sitting in the room, okay, that's not a catch. I mean, as clear as that decision can ever be, it was there. Nope, we challenged that. We're out of timeouts for the whole end of the first half. And had we been playing an actual opponent, we probably wouldn't be able to score right right before the half. The bottom line is, for a team that wasn't trying to lose, we had to go to overtime against one of the three worst teams in the league. Exactly. And why did we have to almost go to overtime? Because... Collapse. We are seeing we are seeing bad schemes. We are seeing bad play calling. We are seeing teams that is not prepared. You know, we're seeing stupid penalties at the worst time. And no second half the, adjustment. All the things that tell you this is a bad coach and not a good coaching staff. So even the argument of like even let's say for a second he does save his job because he beat a Miami team that is tanking, a Washington team that is just in the shitter. And let's say they beat a Philly team that's just a mess also. And they say, we'll give him one more year. What is one more year giving you? Is he miraculously also going to learn how to challenge people? To know on a fourth and one what he's going to do? He's not a good coach. You know, what's the point? If we're expecting a leap next year with these rookies, with another year of training camp and another crop of draft picks and free agents who will have the money and stuff – all the things that we say he's not a good coach are not going to change. Why bother? Yeah. Why bother bringing him back? Again, the only thing that could be bringing him back would be if they're impressed with player development. I'm certainly not seeing a ton of it, but I mean, where the um, the real focus is, you know, on Daniel Jones, we're seeing a week to week improvement with him. That's that's pretty encouraging. I'm not. You can always keep Mike Shula. You can always keep whoever the quarterback coach is. All all I'm saying is I'm not 100% that he's gone. I'm 90% that he's gone. But if he does stay, it's not because of his coaching. It's because of his player development. And I'm also not saying that I agree with that. I'm just saying that is the thing that saved him. It's not a game-to-game thing. It's not stat line oriented. It's just how the players have changed from week one to week 17 and and the steady progress in between or lack thereof. You know, well, I mean, it's not only even player development. I just think it's overall team development. And and again, I'm going to go back to the fact that in week 16, we went to overtime against a very very bad team. Yes, offense is only one third. But by, by the way, no- a bad team that lost its starting quarterback in the third quarter, the very beginning of the third quarter, like first yeah, play. Yeah, Keenan almost came back and beat him. Yeah, you know, Joe Theismann didn't come off off the bench or anything. It was Case Keenum. Yeah. So for all of this talk about development, development, it's like, you know, how about team development? Is this team developing? And I don't care that it was, you know, it only won the last two. And I I think it's a 95% chance he's gone. I think it's more than you. But the 5% that scares me is not that it's on him. It's on ownership and it's on the Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Because, again, I am – thoroughly unimpressed with their decision-making in the last decade. And, you know, if, if they are swayed or convinced by hollow wins, meaningless wins, based on being, you know, uh, uh, 
a combination of Shermer and maybe Gettleman saying he needs to come back and he's been, he's being persuaded to do it. That really scares me as a fan because there's nothing I can do about Mara running the show. And there's a bit of a track record of questions. So I think a owner that's, you know, who's shown to make better decisions, I would say it was a hundred percent chance he's gone. I think the chance he might stay is just because I'm worried about this a little bit, the decision and the, well, the, the thought process on why. Given, given Gettleman's track record of, of um, telling the hard truth or not, maybe not telling the hard truth, but making the hard decision on players. I don't think that he's sticking up for Pat Shermer unless he truly believes in him, which I, I don't think he does. I mean, again, you know, the first of all, one of my least favorite criticisms about Dave Gettleman, and again, I, I feel like I have to preface this every time, is that I didn't love the Dave Gettleman higher, but is, well, Pat Shermer's an extension of him. He picked him. It's like, okay, asshole, who, were you, who did you want to be head coach then? You have to pick out of what was available that year. And we're talking about Matt Patricia, who's failing with the Lions, Josh McDaniels, who skimped out on the Colts, like literally unprecedented. And, you know, what's his face in Arizona who lost his job immediately? I mean, come on. You have to pick somebody. You can't just say, oh, well, Pat Shermer, he he sucks. That was Dave Gettleman's choice. The other choices have flamed out as well. I mean, you're sitting here acting like he passed up on Bill Belichick for him. We don't... You know, yeah, the other you know, the something. other coaching candidates didn't yeah, really. Those are the coaching candidates we're aware of too. I mean, who knows? You know, GMs try to okay, find fine. Guy out of the box. I, I don't play the who knows little game. If you have insider information that he passed up on it, prove it to me, and then I'll admit to you that that was a huge mistake. Until then, all I can tell you is all the other options were equally as fucking shitty or worse. So now, whatever. Those are the other options that were hired. I don't think those are the only options that were available. I mean, I mean, they didn't really interview anybody else. They interviewed a bunch of. They interviewed Josh McDaniel, I believe. They interviewed Matt Patricia. I don't remember all the guys they interviewed and, off the and, top of my head. Uh, but what, I, I'm what, saying, Steve Wilkes or whatever his fucking name is. Were available or could have been available. But also, let, let's talk for a second about Gettleman too. It's like I'm seeing so many people saying, "Well, you need to have your GM tied to the hip with your head coach." That's complete nonsense. I, you know. The GM is free to have whoever he wants. GMs usually last longer than head coaches. Yeah. The GM, the, the head coach has to be on the, the same page as the GM, not vice versa. You know, if uh, you fire a GM and there's a head coach there and a new GM comes in, it's his call if he wants to clean house and start over. You know, coaches that. I mean, I, I, it, 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 it's I'll a agree. thing having to tie the two together just because, it, you know, well, they need to be in sync. No, they don't. I mean, they no, they, no, 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 no. I, I, you're not wrong, but you're not right either. What, what, what is true is you can't hire a coach like Tom Coughlin and then bring in guys that don't fit the scheme that you hired him to do. I mean, you know Tom Coughlin's scheme. You know what he runs. And then if you're not going to get blockers for the guy, he's going to fail. Because the scheme that he runs, that you knew about when you hired him, when you interviewed him, and you're not going to supply the players for it, then whatever. Well, but that, I mean, that, 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 you that, that, need to make those things team. match. You need to hire a coach that fits what you want to draft, I guess, exactly. is basically what I'm saying. As the GM, the GM has – that's his responsibility to yes. get the guys in. I, I agree with you. It's, it's not the opposite. People are making out to be like, if you're going to get rid of the coach, you got to get rid of the GM to make sure they're both on the same page. No, that's, 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 that's asinine. That's not true. And that's what people are saying now in the 
I want to get rid of Gettleman. It's like, well, you can't keep Gettleman if you're going to fire the coach because you'll have one guy who's been around longer than the other. And that, that's 100% wrong. That's what people have to understand. Yeah, no, the that, opposite. That, that's doofus town. That, that makes exactly. no sense. Whoa, we've been <laughs> – this has been doofus town USA for quite a while. That's, so. that's very true. Um, Dave Gettleman took a lot of shit from fans for letting Landon Collins walk. And he has since signed a massive deal with Washington Redskins, has been mostly invisible all year. And not only that, but was frankly exposed by the Giants last week. And again, I know everyone playing around him wasn't really good, but I mean, even in one-on-one coverage, he, he the, the game the game winner in overtime was one-on-one coverage in which he was beaten by a unknown, undrafted rookie from Stanford. I mean, that pretty much says it all. And you know, then the counter argument was like, well, it's not so much that he let him walk; it's that he didn't trade him. I mean, we get a third-round compensatory pick for the for the deal that he signed with Washington. Do we really think that he was going to be able to trade him for more than that? Remember, you know, he was just about um, – actually, I'm not totally sure of when his injury came with the trade deadline. It was pretty close to the same time. It just might have been after. I'm not sure. But either way, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that we were getting much more than a third for him. Because remember, he was on the last year of his deal. So whoever's trading for him knows they have to pay him anyway. So why – why? I mean, they're not going to get anything out of him for week 14, 15, 16, 17. I guess make the same argument Leonard Williams too. I, I what what I'm saying is you can't make one argument and not the other. Mm-hmm. So you can't criticize him for taking Leonard Williams and then also criticizing him for not trading Landon Collins. It's the same argument from both sides. Right. You have to pick one. So I think it's fair to criticize him for the Leonard Williams thing. I'm not sure I get that one still. You know, I I I, I don't know about that one. But letting Landon Collins walk has clearly panned out for this team. I mean, we are not $84 million in the hole for a guy who still can't cover. Yeah. So, And maybe there's a step back at the safety position overall since he's gone, but there is so much more money to do something with. Right. And being, and being stuck with someone that, you know, three years down the road, you're, you know. He's getting paid as a top safety and is not a top safety. Right. I mean, that's that's really, that's that's the thing right there. Mm-hmm. Um. And don't, that, we're yeah. not saying that because of what happened yesterday. No, you know, no, no, no. I mean, is, this is the, the body of work when with, with the Giants, mm-hmm. and now what we're seeing, you know, this year. I mean, and and I love the guy. I think what he does bring to the table, he does really, really well. But I called it before last year even ended that I really didn't see a way in which they were going to be able to re-sign him. It just didn't make sense for a guy who can't cover very well to you just knew he was going to be valuable in the open market mm-hmm. um other than that i just i i just want to point out like you know some players that played exceptionally well i mean we already mentioned jones we already mentioned barkley i, I thought lorenzo carter had himself a game he had a, a sack and a half and a tackle for a loss um all you know golden tate and sterling shepherd and caden smith all played really well on offense too i mean none of them had that but Golden Tate on 11 targets had six catches for 96 yards. Um, Shepard six, was six for six for 76 and a touchdown. Um, the touchdown was pretty spectacular too. And um, Caden Smith, my God, six for eight for two touchdowns. 
Yeah, I kind of mocked you a few weeks ago for worrying about him as like as a emerging thing, but he's been, you know, quietly emerging. Yeah, very quietly been one of the top three passing weapons we've had in the last month. And if they ever figure out how to use Evan Ingram correctly when he gets back, I mean, the two of them could form. I mean, he's pretty much at this point. It seems written Rhett Allison right off the roster, right? I would think so too. I mean, yeah. what's he going to be making next year? I don't. I'm not even sure if his contract goes into next year. It yeah. might. But you're right. He's probably gone. But yeah. you know, something that's going to be something for the next coaching staff to figure out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the truth. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much all there is about that. I I I look. I I um. I'm excited for the win in, in, in so much as the, the brief amount of time it takes to blow a party favor, right? Cool. Um, <laughs> that's it right there. That amount. Cool. That's that's it. Uh, I don't I don't get being pissed about winning, especially the way they won. I know you're not. I'm just saying, yeah. generally speaking, for fans that are, given the way they won with the young guys playing so well, I don't understand being pissed about the win. If they had sluggishly won this game sort of by accident or you know whatever well, then I don't okay think it's so much that they're pissed that they actually lost i think there's now one of my favorite sayings always is losers lose mm-hmm. and these are the type of unfortunate outcomes that <laughs> happen when losers lose you know when things are going bad bad breaks happen and them losing a game like this and losing four draft picks potentially because of it is an example of losers lose now if the schedule was shuffled in a different way and we beat Miami in week five and Washington in week 11, it's different. Yeah, It just I seems to happen that we played the two biggest cupcakes on our schedule at this time. And it's not as simple as, you know, try less harder. We, you know, you said it and said it very well that players and coaches do not tank. Mm-hmm. Organizations may tank, but players do not tank. And coaches, especially coaches that are on the extreme hot seat, are not going to coach to lose. And that, that's what happened. And they just, you can't be mad at anybody. You can just be like, well, damn it, we had an opportunity and it didn't work. Right. But you should be happy with Daniel Jones. You yeah, with, with, with the way that it happened, you should be happy. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't, I don't really believe in the well. That will carry over to next year because a thousand things. No, I don't. I'm totally year. different. That's all nonsense. And and we're gonna get into this, you know, as we we're, we're um, I, I guess this is sort of like a programming announcement. But um, after next week's game, um, after the Monday show, we're heading into our once a week broadcasts, right? Just Mondays as we recap the weekend events for Wild Card, Divisional, Conference. Yeah, and we're gonna Super have to Bowl. figure out our. You have to bear with us a little bit because obviously it's Christmas week and everything. Yeah. Um, Monday the thirtieth, I will be in Miami for the Orange Bowl. Ah. So I cannot broadcast. I cannot record on Monday. Uh, probably, well, and I'm flying back from the West Coast late Sunday. So there will be a show. We just don't know when it will be. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, and obviously, if something urgent, we we may even move the show to the middle of the week, like a Wednesday or something. I don't know. Right. There are holidays and everything to yeah. you know, kind of consider. So, um, but 
obviously if any small bit of information like a head coach firing or something that that needs to be talked about, it'll be talked about. I mean, it's well, it's yeah. we'll, we'll we'll most likely have one for you Friday morning. This week. Mm-hmm. I, oh I'll, yeah, I'll be uh, out in Oregon, but I can definitely Thursday night be able to record. It's just that the post game after Philly might be a little yeah wonky. Um, but yeah, so for all of you, take this win and keep smiling into Christmas if you celebrate it. If you celebrate Hanukkah, that's already started, so keep smiling. You know, do you have eight of those or something? And uh, if you celebrate neither of those, then just smile because you won. You know? Yeah, you know, it's it's still a win. It's, you know, it's against a team you hate. Uh, I'm not sure we really should be bragging about anybody. I mean, we, we swept them this year. I mean, we, you know, I just think of your own evaluation of this team before you start spouting off about this guy needs to be fired. This guy needs to be say this, this guy definitely needs to be re-signed and stuff. Start thinking just honestly, look at this team, look at this roster and honestly say, does this team deserve to be a four win team? Should it be better? Should it be worse? You know, we're getting into that kind of off season evaluation yep, period anyway. That's but, right where uh, I was headed with that. And that's kind of where I land with, you know, this coaching staff that as bad as we were this year and what we were trying to do in the middle of this rebuild, I think this team is better than what their record is or should have been better. Mm-hmm. I think that might be the ultimate barometer you know, to evaluate Shermer and this coaching staff. Should this team be further along than where it is right now? And do you see this staff getting them to the next level? And that's kind of going to be the discussion going forward. You know, we'll still have our pregame, you know, kind of talk and whatever news happens between now and then. But uh, going forward, that's kind of going to be the the kind of discussions that we're going to have. So be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button on whatever app you use, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, or whatever, um, so that you can get these episodes as they come out without any sort of reminder from us. They'll just be there waiting for you. And um, you can also follow me on Twitter for more immediate responses to things as they happen. I'm at football underscore grump. I'm as always at the cranky fan. I'm looking forward to uh, need need a little vacation. Going to be out west in Bend, Oregon, looking at mountains and snow and just hanging out. Need you know December grump. It really tears the shit out of you. Oh my god! How many how many, how many beverages and how many pounds of food have we consumed together in the last month? A lot. <laughs> I uh, a vacation from this holiday season. Yeah. Um, my body could sure use it. Yeah. yeah. So a little vacation, then I will be at the Orange Bowl next week for watching Florida destroy Virginia. Woo-hoo. <laughs> It'll be 75 degrees and sunny, so I'll take that. Yeah. But uh, if you want to talk about anything Giants-related, Gators-related, Knicks – Islander, uh, Lightning, you name it, at the Frankie Pan. Yep. And as always, guys, go Giants. Go Giants.